You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Care at a distance, also called in absentia care, is an old practice which was often conducted via post. There has been a long and successful history of in absentia health care, which thanks to modern communication technology has metamorphed into what we know as modern telemedicine. Today we will explore telemedicine and the major impact it can have on managing diabetes. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Carol Homko, nurse and certified diabetes educator, as well as the assistant director of telemedicine research at Temple University. Hello, doctor. Good morning. Dr. Homko, I was wondering if you could tell me about the study you recently completed in women with gestational diabetes. I'd be happy to. Several years ago, I was approached by Drs. Beauvais and Sanamore, and we began to discuss their telemedicine system, their internet-based system, and it seemed to be very applicable to women with gestational diabetes, which is the area I've been practicing in for the past several years. Like patients with congestive heart failure, women with gestational diabetes need to be followed closely during pregnancy to maintain tight glucose control maternal glucose levels have uh, really been shown to have a linear relationship with neonatal outcomes. And so I submitted a grant to NIH, to the Nursing Institute there, to perform a randomized control trial to test the system in women with GDM. Again, it was a randomized trial. Women with gestational diabetes were either randomized to the telemedicine group or to usual care. We adapted the system so that women could report their blood glucose levels, their fetal movement counts, their insulin doses. At that time, we were only using insulin in women with gestational diabetes. There was also a place for them to report any episodes of hypoglycemia as well as to ask questions. Like the other websites, there was an educational component There was also um, the possibility of looking at their medications, their recent lab values. And what was unique about our system was it was the first time we actually used the two-way communication so that they were able to communicate with me vis-a-vis the system. How many women were you able to get into the study? We ended up with uh, 58 women. What was also different about this study was the fact that we decided for those Listeners who may not be familiar, uh, Temple University is located in North Philadelphia, which is one of the poorest areas of the city. So most of my clients are minority women, either African-American or Latino. Most of the women in the study were single moms with several other children at home. And so we decided that unlike the cardiovascular risk reduction study, that it was not realistic to expect women who did not have home access to a computer and or the internet to go to community centers or churches. And so women in the study who did not have their own computer access were actually given uh, refurbished computers, which were donated by the university. And we were also able to obtain free internet access for them. So it actually ended up about 50% of the women in the study were given a free computer and Internet access, and the other 50% um, had it in their homes. Uh, Women in the Internet group were expected to send their data at least three times a week vis-a-vis the Internet. 
So those are some pretty significant barriers that you overcame. Were there even other barriers that you encountered? We did. Um, it was problematic, as you can imagine, delivering the computers to the home. We also had problems where uh, two of our women lost phone service, which meant the computer no longer worked. And we also had two women who, for their own personal safety, felt the need to uh, leave home and leave the computer behind. We also encountered lots of competition. Many of the women actually joined the study, as in our other studies, for the opportunity to develop computer skills and having that access in their home. But we found we got lots of competition with older children and family members. We had a couple of computers that kept breaking down because the kids downloaded so many free games off the Internet. So, Dr. Hompko, what's next for you? What we've decided to do is to go with um, an interactive voice recognition system, um, very similar to what we're all used to when we call FedEx or an airline. So it will, women will be able to use a standard telephone. They can either use a landline or a cell phone. The system will interact with our Internet system, so uh, the healthcare provider will still see the same screens, and patients will have the option because, again, about 50% of our women did have computers, so patients will have the option of either doing it over the phone and or um, using the Internet, and we're hoping that that will make it easier for women and uh, will increase compliance and use of the system. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I am with Dr. Carol Hompko, nurse and certified diabetes educator, as well as the assistant director of telemedicine research at Temple University. And we're discussing different ways of trying to get in contact with diabetic patients and improve the quality of their care. Dr. Hamko, can you discuss the application of either IVR or telemedicine in terms of using other types of diabetics besides just gestationals? Yes, I think it's, and I think it may even um, have a far-reaching importance with regular diabetes. As you're probably aware, there's approximately 21 million people in the United States with diabetes and another uh, 50 plus million with prediabetes. At the same time, we see this staggering epidemic of uh, type 2 diabetes. What we know is that the number of um, endocrinologists are on the decline, as well as many uh, diabetes education programs have been eliminated. And so I think the system really offers a wonderful support to those of us in practice who work with people with diabetes it's a great tool for communication. I found it really made it much easier for me to keep in contact with patients. You know, traditionally, whether you're working with patients with GDM or regular diabetes, we, we ask patients to call in with their blood glucose levels. Um, generally, it takes a couple calls. They call you. You have to call them back. You miss each other. You lose some time. With this system, you know, each party can do it at their convenience. You can do it in the middle of the night if you want. You can do it from a remote site if you're traveling. As the healthcare provider, it gives me a chance to sit down and really examine the blood glucose records and then to make recommendations about changes in therapy. From the patient side, it allows them to sit down and access the educational pages when it's convenient for them. Um, they don't have to leave home, leave work, possibly to go to, you know, an education program 
particularly as the programs are less and less available. It's great for people, you know, in remote areas. It sounds great for the patient. It sounds great for the doctor. I'm just wondering if insurance company. I know you're doing this in inner city areas, but uh, are there any insurance companies out there that are actually reimbursing to even set up this program? Not that I'm aware of. I believe there has been some talk about, and, and there's some move towards using it in remote locations. I mean, historically, telemedicine started out uh, as a way to reach individuals who were in remote locations without access to health care. And my understanding is in some of those circumstances, there is coverage and people are beginning to look at that. This is not so much, well, in some ways it's an access issue, but it's a very uh, different access issue. And I don't know of any move to cover this. I think as a healthcare provider, it makes my job easier. It saves me time. I mean, I think that's one of the issues with diabetes. It's very labor intensive and we all try to find ways around it. I mean, so some physicians might have their patients fax in their blood glucoses if they need to check them periodically. But again, that doesn't work so well in the inner city where patients won't have access to a fax machine. So once the study was over, are you still able to follow these patients? Well, remember, these are women with gestational diabetes, so I follow them to delivery and post-delivery. But once they had reverted to normal glucose tolerance. They've no longer been using the system. In your own practice, have you been able to adapt some of the mechanisms or modalities of telemedicine to help you monitor your patients' glucoses that are not pregnant? I haven't done that yet. That's um, that's kind of the next arena. I'm actually in the process of completing some grant applications because I think we really are ready to move it into the general diabetes arena. We started in GDM, quite frankly, because that's where I practice. I have done general diabetes in the past, although the past couple years it's been limited to pregnancy. What is it that interested you in that population? Well, I think it it just, uh, I tease and say Temple was my midlife crisis. It was an opportunity when I moved here to work in pregnancy, which I hadn't done prior to that time. I think what's unique about pregnancy is there's a beginning and an end, and you get a nice present. And also, it's a it's a great group of people to work with because women are excited about the pregnancy. They're very motivated. It's very easy to engage them in self-care. So they had their computers at home. Were you allowed to educate them, and do you think they learned more than they would have if they didn't have this tool? I believe they they did, and it's interesting. I've also had the opportunity to work with a MPH student who used my research and did some follow-up interviews uh, with the women in the telemedicine groups. Her interest was in women and their use of technology. Although her thesis hasn't been published yet, basically what she found was that women really enjoyed using the system. One of the things I did do that I didn't mention was the univer- at the University of Michigan, Bobby Anderson and Marty Fennell have developed what they call a diabetes empowerment tool, and to really look at individuals' feelings of self-efficacy around their diabetes self-care. And the uh, dramatic finding of our study um, was really that the women in the telemedicine group felt far more empowered. They had a dramatic increase in empowerment. 
as compared to the women in the usual usual care group who experience no change. So it really did seem to give the women a sense of empowerment over their own health and their own care, increased self-efficacy around diabetes self-management. About 50% of women and maybe up to 60% of women with gestational diabetes will go on to develop within 18 years, will go on to develop overt diabetes, type 2 diabetes. And so hopefully this increased feeling of self-efficacy, this empowerment, the knowledge they gain from participating in this study may help them in the future. Dr. Hamko, thank you very much for joining us today. We've been talking with Dr. Carol Hamko, the Assistant Director of Telemedicine Research at Temple University. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you have been listening to the Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.